Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back, Monday edition. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, wherever you may be viewing this morning is, or uh, in the afternoon. We go live noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Lance Lee is back with us. Jakob Swanson making the show happen. Regan McCrossin, our production assistant. David Reed is the chairman of the board. And down the hall, live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Blackbird Studio and Blackbird Academy. We say hello to Bicker, uh, Becca Risley and Sleepy Danny, who are also hard at work for OutKick. Gentlemen, How good morning. How are you boys? Hutton, you mentioned whether it's afternoon or morning, however you consume the show. Um, different time zones consume the show in different <laughs> ways. And we've got a little game on Twitter right now and on Instagram where uh, we're trying to see as many states as possible where people view the show. And we've gone all over the country and in some cases all over the world. I saw someone checking in from Jamaica. I saw someone checking in from Canada also. So let us know on Twitter at Outkick360 where you are watching or listening to the show on podcast. However you consume the show, let us know where you are. Give us a drop a pin, your, your city, your state, your country, wherever. Let us know where you're listening. Let us know on the YouTube chat if you're there right now. Let us know on the Periscope chat, wherever, and uh, we are collecting data, not your data. You know, we're not, uh, we're not big tech, per se. We're not going to invade you with text messages or anything to, to listen, but we just want to know where you are. So please, let us know. And if you are on YouTube, you can hit the subscription button, and you're automatically entered to win a great prize pack from Sony and Hertz Audison, the full car stereo system. You subscribe, you ring the bell, and you're automatically entered to win the Sony and Hertz Audison full car stereo system. We'll be drawing for that next month. Sweet, sweet prize. Get on board for that. Big weekend, lots going on. And uh, I watched it all while I played with the new puppy. How'd Pretty that cool. go? How, how, how was Ripley? He, he is quite a character. Lot of fun. Uh, high energy, uh, particularly the first day. I was like, if this is the energy level, I am going to be in trouble. But uh, after he settled in, um, I was reassured that, in fact, he will play a little bit by himself and he, <laughs> he will uh, sleep and he will uh, sit in your lap and not uh, need constant attention. So that was reassuring. Simon got home from his big boys weekend, the weekend of a lifetime at the lake. Um, and he's all in, so it's a lot of fun. And Finley being uh, terrific, too permissive, quite frankly. I'd like him to, to issue some justice. Um, and instead, he's letting uh, He's, he's letting him pull again. on his tail. He's feeling young again. And, and stuff like that. So they're terrific together. It's, uh, it's something to see. Here's a shot of Ripley seeing two giant dogs <laughs> uh, at the car next to us at the pet store. 
it's big and little, and it's uh, most extreme dog sampling. Paul, I will always be amazed at your ability to snap a photo quickly when it's time and get, a, one, and get a good photo. I, I never, by the time it registers, I should take a picture of this, the moment's gone. By the time I get my phone out, get ready to take the picture, I'm either past it in the car or something else has happened to where the, the photo's not there. But you always capture that photo. I would trade this skill for a lot of skills that I don't have, like uh, assembling a grill, which we might talk about <laughs> later. Yeah, I want to get your, um, but, your problem with this. Uh, this is a skill that I possess, and I appreciate both of you have been very supportive of this skill from the very beginning of our existence as a trio. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good with an iPhone camera. I got the high-level iPhone, so I take good quality shots, and uh, there are too many puppy shots, quite frankly. need to put it down. Well, and, you know, even if it's at almost a physical detriment to you or the show, like with Rodney Harrison, yes, I'll you take still it get anyway. the phone out. And I'll you get take that, it anyway. You really get in there and get that angle wherever it is to make sure you get the proper photo. Well, I have one. I don't know if it made the takeover or not. Uh, McCracken over there could give us a nod. I, Ripley looking in a mirror for the first time, but I don't want Simon's face out there, so I took it cutting off uh, my neck and Simon's neck that you could see us. But Ripley checking himself out in the mirror for the first time was another shot I was proud of this weekend. So I appreciate you noticing. If you haven't seen the, the takeover, uh, still some stuff up at uh, Outkick360 on Instagram. The weekend takeover was big. Speaking of the weekend takeover, uh, Hutton crushes it with the UFC parlay. Very nice. Matt done. Corbin on the YouTube page says... I got into sports gambling because of you guys and played the parlay and won big, and he wanted to start the day by thanking us for that. Please contact I mean, FanDuel. I mean, thank the show. Thank FanDuel for your winnings, uh, first and foremost, but also Jonathan Hutton, who had the parlay. But, Matt, weekend. please write FanDuel immediately and say that you got into gambling because, because of, of us. Because of us. This yeah, show specifically. That is very important. <laughs> Tweet them. And don't even mention Mentioning just us. OutKick. Mention specifically OutKick, OutKick 360. 360. Just like we asked for specifics on where you're yes. listening, we're getting places like Aubrey, Texas, Van Leer, Tennessee, Watertown, real. Tennessee. Right Van Leer, now. real. Keep them coming. Let us know. Let us know where you are. We love it. And you can also let FanDuel know that you signed up through us by going to FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's the easiest way. You can sign up there and you can get up to a $1,000 risk-free bet for bet number one through FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Your first bet could be Shohei Otani tonight in the Home Run Derby. You can bet up to $1,000 on him making it out of the first round of the Home Run Derby, if you so choose. And it's a risk-free bet, so you get that back in site credit if you lose your first bet. But if you win, you keep the winnings. It's a win-win situation for bet number one when you sign up. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Please, God in heaven, tell me that Chris Berman is not involved in Home Run Derby tonight. Amen. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming back, back, he back, is. Back, 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 back. That's what you're going to hear the whole There are going to be 600 home runs tonight, and if Chris Berman is calling them, he'll say that for every one. It'll be, I don't know how anybody could want that. I hope he's retired from that. The, the, it, is, it is part annoying and part genius because he can say the same thing for an event where the same thing is happening over and over and over and over again uh, to where there's literally no prep involved here. <laughs> you show up, the ball leaves the bat, and it's back, 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 gone. Or back, 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 warning track. The back people it's, who are going back are little kids. And he, he is known for the home run derby calls, and all he does is the same thing over and over again. It's actually genius. You guys know, and I was very vocal about this uh, when we started the show March 15th. 
I hate this, uh, the, the COVID-forced COVID. home isolation. COVID. COVID. This COVID-forced home isolation where you're doing games, broadcasting basketball games, other sports from home, leads to this constant dialogue that has nothing to do with the game. Right? People aren't focusing on the game. I use the example of if you're watching a Tennessee-South Carolina basketball game in, uh, in Wednesday in late January, you very specifically tuned into that game to watch those two teams play. You, people don't stumble upon a game. There's not five channels anymore, and you just happen to be watching it. So if you're watching that game, you should probably talk about those two teams in that game because your audience are people specifically wanting to watch that game. This is where it's the complete opposite. You don't need to do a running play-by-play of a home run. Derby. No, have conversations. Just check here. in with, boy, we're getting hot now. You know, he's got seven. You can comment and have a running dialogue about everything going on with the home run derby, everything going on with the batter. You can talk about Major League Baseball as a whole. This is where there's some allowance for that. The problem with Berman, and it sounds funny for me saying this because I have a, a total problem on the other end when people broadcast from home and don't focus on the actual sporting event, is he treats it like it's play-by-play too much. You don't need the back-back-back home run or back-back-back gone every time. Just have a conversation. That's what events like this were made for, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think it'll be – ESPN has so many channels dedicated to this where you can get a different version of whatever you're wanting to watch. He's you know, not on it. Statscast on ESPN News or whatever they're doing. ESPN will be the Sunday Night Baseball crew. Um, and then ESPN2 will have their own – version of a broadcast somehow with with different people on it. ESPN will have Carl Ravitch and Eduardo Perez in the booth with Buster Olney and Marley Rivera uh, reporting from the field. So that that's a relief. And I think they will try to be conversational. I can never remember who the third guy with them a lot of times is, uh, who's a very conversational guy that, that is often with Ravitch and Perez. He's on the Carl, College World Series, I think, kind of redheaded. I think he's a good conversationalist. Book no, it's not Book Shambi. But I think he's a good conversationalist. I think these guys are well suited to it. But look, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch a home run derby tonight. I might flip past it depending on what we've got going on. But it's not like I'm going to tune it in the way I tuned in the Euro Finals or the way I've been tuning in the NBA Finals or stuff like that right now. I'm just, I'm just not. Uh, I, and, and I can see the score of it. You know, or I'll keep up with it through FanDuel since we'll have a parlay on it or, or something like that. Oh, Tani, I'm interested in. It makes me more interested in it than I would usually be interested in it. But it's, uh, it's like the dunk contest. I think all of these contests have gotten old and they need to do something new and they haven't figured out what it is. This will be Otani's week. Like this is set up, this event is set up for him right out of the chute, the home run derby. Uh, tomorrow night, he will be a part of the All-Star Game in multiple facets. Um, th- if you don't know Otani yet, you're about to, because he's going to be on national television on full display. He's the featured attraction. There are plenty of people that won't be watching the All-Star Game. So, uh, you know, like we've talked about, they'd need to find a way for him to break through the envelope of Major League Baseball. And the All-Star Game used to do that, right? We grew up in an era where the All-Star Game was huge. And that was really one of the best things about the AL-NL separatism was that the All-Star Game was this rare occasion where we saw the two teams on the field together, the best of two, a real rivalry. And uh, outside of the World Series, that was, was the moment. 
And that was a huge deal. Interleague play has made that uh, not a thing. It's still the best of the All-Star games, though they've all gotten bad and it's gotten worse. It's still the best because it's a real game. An exhibition baseball game isn't that far off of a baseball game from the nature of the sport as compared to basketball, as compared to football, which is a joke. Um, but I don't know that too many people, Hutton, are going to tune in tomorrow night and see Otani. But they, I mean, I football, hope football's all-star, I mean, the Pro Bowl is a joke, but people tune watch in it. by the millions yeah. to watch it. And because if they're not doing that for baseball, that is a huge detriment to the sport when the best uh, fan-voted players are on the same field, mic'd up, where you actually get to get to know these guys somewhat behind the scenes, get to hear some of the conversations. Um, it's also the lone sporting option tomorrow night, right? Yes. So if you're a sports person and you're not going to tune in to that and get your Otani dose, you're, you're never going to get it. Yeah, this seems like the opportunity to, to lure in some people that otherwise wouldn't be watching is the Otani storyline. And Hutton's right. I like the mic'd up part. I think Mookie Betts does really well yes. in this when they, when they mic him up. In the outfield, he's very conversational. We remember the moment where... He said, hold on, guys, got to go to work here as the ball's hit to him and he's running to make a catch when he's having a conversation with the guys back in the booth. Uh, I forget who it was, but over the weekend I saw someone tweet out, some, a Major League Baseball analyst said, this would not be good for the growth of baseball, but I don't know why anyone pitches to Shohei Otani. <laughs> he said, I would stop. The, the way he's, he's playing right now and the way he's hitting, he said, I would gladly just put that guy at first uh, at this point right now and and." and play my chances that way. Uh, he said, I'm not telling major league teams what to do and pitchers what to do, but I would not pitch that guy at all at this point. I, um, we're talking one Japanese uh, superstar, so I, I have to tell the story. I, I meant to forward you guys this story. The Athletic did a great like look back at uh, Ichiro, mm -hmm. and, and uh, it was kind of one of those oral histories uh, of his, his coming over. And I didn't realize what an amazing character this guy was and how funny he was. Um, so they just had a lot of guys telling stories of getting to know him and experiencing him. And it was Mike Sweeney, the first baseman. And so Mike Sweeney had been over to Japan maybe for a series. He was on a team that played a series over there or maybe exhibition or whatever. And he said a lot of times on the video board, um, somebody would get a hit or do something at, at the plate and the English thing that they put on the screen said, nice batting. It said, nice <laughs> batting a lot. So this was very early in Ichiro's career. And Ichiro singled, and he was on first base for Mike Sweeney. And Sweeney didn't know what to say. And he turned to him and said, nice batting. And Ichiro said, nice ass, Mike Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrific. And it's just, that makes me like it was just loaded with stories like this yeah. about the funny things that Ichiro said constantly. Um. One player we will not see, and it's unfortunate, is Ronald Acuna, yeah. who is done for the year with the torn ACL. Um, bad for baseball. Bad. Yes. and Really but, bad for the Braves, too. Yes, terrible for the Braves. But, uh, Chad, he was – I mean, he's in his prime. He is an excellent player. And the Braves didn't appear as though they're going to make the playoffs anyway based on their up-and-down play and overall, give or take a few games, a 500 club right now. But this is a huge – Huge detriment to the roster now. Yeah, I think two games under 500. So they sort of stayed where I thought they needed to, just yeah. sort of tread water and because stay Because their division 500. is the same way. But they're four games back. Yeah. You know, they're in third place. I think second place team's three and a half back from the Mets. They're four games back. 
with half the season left, they certainly have a chance to win the division. But I think that chance is gone now. I mean, you have to just – you don't treat the season as a wash and stop trying to win or stop playing. But with the Soroka injury and setback, I know Waskar Anoa, they, they got a decent report with him after breaking his hand from punching the, the bench, getting pulled from a game. Uh, he's actually on track to be back this season. Travis Darno on track to be back before they thought. But with Ozuna, uh, who knows with his situation and off-the-field stuff going on with him, uh, that's a bad lineup now. I mean, outside of Freddie Freeman and occasionally Ozzie Albies, Dansby Swanson when he's hot, that's just not a good lineup. And with Soroka out and uh, bullpen issues, yeah. just not a very good baseball team. And, and now Acuna was a guy who's always doing his part, seemingly, and always a threat. And the one guy you could rely on for the possibility of something good happening every time he comes up to the plate, now that that's gone, the brave season is done. And you almost have to, you can't treat this like, oh, this shows that the roster we have intact can't win at all. You have to treat this like what it is an awful season with awful luck. And you got to get these guys healthy because the Braves still have the pieces to be a really good World Series contending team for a five to seven year stretch if they play it right. What does Freddie Freeman's contract look like? He's locked up for. I need to look it up. He he's locked up for a good amount of time, I think. Not not like Albies and uh, and Acuna. They didn't sucker him into something no, like they did no, with those I, I guys. Need, I need to look it up to make sure. I know there's now some. He's having to answer to some questions about his future with the organization. Yeah, yeah because yeah. the way things look, and maybe they should do something to get some pitching in return for Freddie Freeman while they can. Um, I, I would hate to see that because I love Freddie Freeman but as a brain. With Acuna going down. As you reach the all-star break, as we turn the corner towards the trade deadline. Sell. Are you selling? Sell. And, and if that's the case, is is that why Freeman's being mentioned? Um, because he's the one star that you could add a bat to a lineup. Freeman is a free agent after this year, Evan Hendren says. Yeah, no, you're right. He uh, he is signed yeah, through So he's on the trade block. Yeah. If you don't get the sense that he's re-signing, you're trading him now. To somebody making a run. That, that's and, a and maybe, big maybe you away. don't do that if you think that you're making a run to the postseason. But with Acuna out, how realistic is that from the NLCS last year to missing the playoffs this year? Well, $22 million. Because the, the wild card's out, what he's right? Making. It's win the division or, or nothing. Yeah. No, the, yeah, the, 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 the wild card's coming from out west. The NL West is yeah. going to get both, both wild, wild card teams cards. probably uh, the way with they're the running Giants, away with the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres being as good as they are. Man, so I, as, a, I as, think a, as a as a Freddie Freeman fan and a Braves fan, are you, would you make the trade for pitching and load up and get ready for next year, or do you roll the dice and say we're going to re-sign him? I think you. This is, and maybe this is my, uh, this is me playing show friends and not show business also, mm -hmm. because I'm a huge Freddie Freeman fan and want to see Freddie Freeman as a Brave as long as possible as a Braves fan. I would be more interested in re signing Freddie Freeman, not dealing him, and maybe dealing a couple of young assets that you have. Uh, they've got still some top prospects also, and then trying to bolster your, your bullpen. Because the actual rotation still has a chance to be really good when Soroka gets back. With Soroka, Freed, with what you have in place with some young pitchers and your starting rotation, you're okay there. If everyone is back in the lineup, the lineup should be a lot better than they've been once everybody comes back and gets healthy. But a huge part of that lineup is Freddie Freeman. So if you're trading away Freddie Freeman, you're getting a, a starting pitcher, 
a relief pitcher, you're getting some uh, draft assets, some mm-hmm. minor league prospects. I mean, I don't know. I, I think you're still in go-for-it mode right now, not this year. You're, you would be a seller, right, for this season. But long-term, I, I would love for Freddie Freeman to be a part of the, the Braves' plans and then find other ways through free agency or something to bolster the bullpen. Because I still think if things are clicking the way they should and they're not, they don't have just a rash of injuries – it's a team that can win a World Series. They were a game away. Mm-hmm. They're up three games to one or three games to two last year against the Dodgers, who go on to win the World Series. They lose in seven. They're right there with a healthier lineup. Freddie Freeman knows a huge part of that lineup. Freeman's but, hitting 274, on base 381, uh, 19 homers, 50 RBIs. He's not and having a down his MVP offensive year, year yeah. though. It's a down offensive year across the board. Yeah. Th- those are solid numbers. Uh, speaking of, of down offense, are we going to see – I remember vaguely, uh, All-Star game, they're not going to check for sticky substances They're not going to. I, I read that. But I can't imagine guys are going to be oh, dunking they, their hands in it tonight. I, I think as a as a joke for the All-Star game. Somebody some should guy, carry it out there and yeah, put it instead oh, of the rosin bag. They should have a glove that's completely doctored <laughs> and just change it out as they go to the mound. Somebody should take a can of that and put it instead of the rosin bag. <laughs> On what the if, back of the mouth. What if a guy like, uh, I think of, of my friend Mick Foley here that we have behind <laughs> us. You know, he had his mankind. He had Sacco that he'd pull out, and it was a big moment when he unveiled Sacco and he put the puppet on. <laughs> you actually on, carry the spider And he would start out. doing the, yes. <laughs> so you carry, oh, look at this. It's stuck to it. Yeah. You carry the spider tag out. You see the effects, the baseball, the spider tag. You actually carry it out in your pants. <laughs> And at some point before you pitch, you go falls to the crotch. Out, falls out. Well, you Whoops. go to the crotch. Like, you walk out with a sizable bulge uh, that's not your athletic cup. And you go out at some point, you just put the hand up and go straight down to the pants and pull out the spider tack to the cheering crowd and just lather yourself in spider tack. I think it'd be funny just, if it like, kind of fell out. Yeah, just And then you're like, the, whoops. Like, if, then they just have a spin rate meter. And just for the one inning you're pitching, if you're the relief pitcher that comes in for your one inning of relief in the All-Star game, you're just trying to, you know, get the highest spin rate possible. While we're, I'd on, love that. while we're on baseball, Yankees shut out Astros in consecutive games. Garrett Cole throws 122 pitches, most for a Yankee starter, I believe, since Randy Johnson in 2006. Complete game. They're scared to go to Chapman to finish it, and they were like, "We're going to win this game one nothing on an Aaron Judge home run." Phenomenal, right? Then they're in position Sunday to sweep the Astros going into the All Star break. They have a five run lead in the ninth inning. Lose. Give up a walk-off to Jose Altuve. To the point, John Boy, who's a big Yankee fan and a great media presence, says that the loss comes. This is his thinking as a diehard Yankee fan. He knows the game's over when Altuve steps into the batter's box with a walk-off chance. Like his whole thing was, you've got to get the out before that to assure that Altuve doesn't even step in the box with a walk-off chance. He knows it's over at that moment. And sure enough, Altuve hits the walk-off. And they finally allowed... Uh, finally allowed his teammates to strip him of his jersey, showing no wire. Uh, well, the reason for that. The, uh, after the Yankees mocked him the day before, well, and in that game. And in the game. Judge mocked him the day before on the home run, and Sanchez mocked him there. And let me tell you a secret, Altuve. You could run around the bases naked yesterday. Doesn't change the fact that there were suspicions that you wore a wire in the ALCS and didn't let anybody touch your jersey in that game. So you weren't doing anything yesterday, but you might have been doing something in the ALCS. Nothing changes about the past. Because of what you do in the present. I'd say the same about every other team accused of it also. Sure. Yankees included. Well, nobody I mean, ever said Adrian the Yankees Beltre's were Adrian Beltre's got a, got a buddy in the outfield 
signal them, you know, when a, when a curveball is coming also. Yeah. I mean, and Nobody all, ever all said gonna... any of the Yankees were wearing a buzzer. Yeah. The Yankees are extremely soft. Um, I have been waiting for baseball justice to show itself. Well, it's not coming with the third Yankees time and they the, play Astros. the Astros. That's old. Yeah, instead, they they mock and laugh uh, by putting a jacket over a guy that that runs a makes a, hits a home run. Uh, you have Aaron Judge round third and show. You have another Astros player who rounds third, looks over to the Yankees dugout and pretends to unbutton his shirt after he hits a home run. I mean, they they've made a, a joke about everything that's going on. And then Altuve hits a walk-off, and they strip him of his jersey, and, and everything's great. Uh, instead of the Yankees handling their business on the mound when Altuve comes up, and you go headhunting, if you're that pissed off about it, do something about it. Instead of crying every time you play the Astros by mocking them. Well, At, at least Joe Kelly did something about it. I, I, would, I would like to know if Don Mattingly was the Yankees manager, the way he has treated Ronald Acuna with the Marlins. They pitchers. hit him again this series. They hit him again. Now, this one was clearly... And I get, I, I get the anger from Acuna because it's just enough is enough. And they've hit him, and I'm they hit him two weeks happened. ago. This was a 2-1 pitch that was a, yeah. a slow, is an 80-mile-per-hour breaking ball in the back that just didn't turn over. But that was the first time Acuna had the bat in his hand and nearly charged with the bat in hand, and they had to be separated. But the pitcher kind of you know, said, oh, shucks, and then yeah. just smiled and stared at him. The whole walk down. Snicker had to come out and hold him back. Braves players were all standing up in the dugout waiting for something to happen, and it took a while to get him to first base. But while that's an extreme case, if Don Mattingly was managing the Yankees, how would the Astros be treated from his pitchers on the mound? I think probably a little rougher than what we've seen. Well, it's, right? all, it's also weird, Paul, because some of the Astros player, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's on that roster in Houston that we're talking about. Uh, now he's you playing bring for the up Yankees. the pitchers all the time. The pitchers weren't doing anything. Paul, the pitchers uh, knew. Well, the pitchers, they knew, and one of them sold them out. But the pitchers were beneficiaries of the hitters getting the hits. But the pitchers weren't weren't. <laughs> I bring up the pitchers, beneficiaries the same way the hitters I bring up the pitchers were. because the pitchers are on the roster that you're complaining about, and now they're on your roster. So well, I don't know exactly what you wanted Garrett Cole to do. What would you? I don't have want Garrett Cole to do anything. I'm just saying the done. Yankees are in a weird spot. He threw 122 pitches and beat them. They hate the Shut Astros, and now they're dispersed across the league. Well, here's what Garrett Cole did. Everyone's and hanging out and thinking everything's cool. Well, here's what Garrett Cole did to the Astros. He might hate the Astros who let him go, and uh, who didn't use him, by the way, in Game Seven against who right. was it that beat them? He wandered into the game very badly. He left on sour terms because they didn't throw him. He went to Houston, he threw 122 pitches, and, and beat them, shut them out. What do you want him to do? Well, What more do you ask of Garrett Cole I'm not Cole asking in that more of Garrett Cole, Paul. I'm well, asking just, more of the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole. No, I'm using Garrett Cole as an example who's now on the Yankees roster. That they, well, he did what he could do to have justice now, on the Astros Paul, on Saturday night. Now these same players who are mocking Altuve and everyone else, they, they're, you know, they're friends with all these former Astros that are across the league now, hugging. That, that was my whole point. If you're so angry and upset about what the Astros did, start treating them that way instead well, of I just... Think, I think you're incredibly naive to think that if your team signs Garrett Cole, you're going to harbor bad feelings for him long term when he's the best pitcher on your team and when he goes to Houston and two hits them throwing a complete game, which is unheard of anymore. And you're going to walk off the mound and say, oh, you used to be with the Astros. I hate you. No, well, I, but I think they're that, also not going to go headhunting over teammates of Garrett Coles from three years ago. Well, it, the, the headhunting thing, I, I listen, I wasn't happy with the way the Yankees handled the first matchup with the Astros after all of this 
was over. Well, you, but and the they should have been you more said, aggressive. More to come. Well, I wish there had been more to come, but they're over it to that degree, and now they're on to mocking him with tearing their shirts. I don't love the way the whole thing, whole thing went down. I would have liked them to have finished the series by holding on to a five-run lead in the ninth inning and swept them and answered it with baseball. And then if they were doing the tear jersey thing in the course of sweeping them, that would have been fine. They won a series against them, which for the Yankees, who suck, is a very good result. So I'm okay with the baseball result, and I think that's the most important thing, the well, baseball baseball result. is the, the – beating them with baseball is the ultimate revenge, and that's the ultimately, ultimately the way you get them back. But it's clearer to me the symbol is what matters. The Astros won because of the, it's not the individual players because they have embraced Garrett Cole with open arms, who was mm-hmm. a beneficiary. He, he was a beneficiary a of their cheating. But he didn't take a bat. It would be different. Granted, with a but again, he's got a World Series ring in part because they were cheating sure. with his batters while he was pitching. And I understand not you know you're not going to hate Garrett Cole if you're the Yankees or Yankees fan. I get that. But then do a better job of attacking the symbol. It doesn't matter who's wearing the uniform now. Like, go after someone. There needs well, the to be. There's got to be. There's got to be a pound of flesh from Altuve or whoever. Like the the mocking and stuff is fun to me, and I like the theater of it with the fans and all that. But if you're the team, it's like with Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly should get his ass kicked by the Suns. Agree. The first time they play, or someone should at the very least go from behind him and shove his ass into the stands. When he's not looking, the way he did to Chris Paul and, and shoved him at that point. That's the pound of flesh I think that's needed. And then you also try to beat them on the court. They should have hit It's not a, well, we're just going to fight and forfeit the game and be done. And then also, by the way, we're, we're going to beat you. Or maybe even get up 20 on the Clippers if you're the Suns and then make it a point to go and do something to Patrick Beverly. I'll say two things. First chance they had, they should have had some sort of justice on Altuve. They should have thrown a sacrificial lamb as their starting pitcher, the last man in the bullpen, and made it clear what they were doing. I would have had no problem with that. I wish they did it. But also, Major League Baseball should have punished the Astros in some discernible way where the Yankees would have been satisfied with it and said, oh, Altuve's not even playing in this game, so I don't have to hit him. Paul, ultimate justice would have been start a scrub that throws 100 miles per hour on Garrett Cole's start night. First pitch, square in the back on one of those guys, and then bring in Garrett Cole, the guy who was an Astro who helped you win a World Series. To shut him down? To shut them down. <laughs> like, that, to me, would have been the ultimate on Garrett Cole's I start night. I would have been night. fine with that. Suddenly, surprisingly, a middle reliever is starting the game to come in and throw one pitch. Get it out of the system. Fight if you must. And then the plan is to bring Garrett Cole after that one pitch. I would pitch. have been absolutely fine with that. But I'm not I'm – not, and they should have swept the damn series. I'm really upset about that loss. Because if they had swept that series, there would have been some symbolic momentum for them finally going into this break. Instead, the momentum is they lost another one in the ninth. They can't even bring in their damn closer, and they're trending yet again down, and they're very close to done. So is Conor McGregor close to done. We, we will discuss what happened at USC uh, 264. That's coming up. Also, we hit some other headlines from the weekend, including the Euros and Wimbledon. Outkick 360 rolls on as we tell you about mydrhank.com slash outkick. Look, erectile dysfunction affects over half of all men. It doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. Since 2017, My Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. My Dr. Hank helps you get low-cost ED meds to overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatments. We're also going to talk about making Team USA basketball hard again 
uh, at some point. Uh, they could have used some My Dr. Hank uh, over the weekend. And if you have a problem with this, again, it affects over half a minute. You should not feel embarrassed or ashamed by it. But if you want something mailed to you discreetly, they can do that with My Dr. Hank. And it's coming to you from a pharmacy in the United States. 50% off, Paul. I love a good discount. Go to MyDrHank.com slash Outkick. You sign up and you get 50% off your first subscription order. So if you've got some questions about this, price should not be a factor here. 50% off your first go-round. MyDrHank.com slash Outkick. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. UFC 264 happened this weekend. Dustin Poirier winning over Conor McGregor in the trilogy bout after the match was stopped after the first round due to a broken tibia, lower tibia, on Conor McGregor, who, as karma would have it, was leaving on a stretcher after he proclaimed that Dustin Poirier would be the one leaving the arena on a stretcher. A massive night for the UFC uh, with ticket sales, with pay-per-view buys, uh, with celebrities in attendance. It's exactly what you want on a big fight night. And their biggest star, Conor McGregor, leaves on a stretcher. Guys, your thoughts on how everything went down? I was bummed out. Um, I was hoping for, obviously, a better fight, a, a, a longer fight. Uh, it bums me out also because while I don't know the ins and outs of the sport to the level of, of Hutton, I love a good spectacle and I love a big event. And whenever Conor McGregor is involved in your event, it's bigger. And I like that part of it. Regardless of where he is right now in his career as a fighter, I've always appreciated that part about him. And it just, it, it means, much like the SEC, it just means more when McGregor's a, a part of the event so seeing that, the first thought is, is this it? You know, is this, is this the end of it? I, I, I heard speculation that this being the trilogy, if McGregor lost this fight, much less breaking his leg in the process of losing the fight, that this may be the quasi end of his career as a, as a spotlight main event type fighter. And I hope that's not the case. I, I hope we see more of him. I, I like the comeback storyline. We all love a good comeback. Hopefully we see that now with Conor McGregor. But my first thought, Hutton, was a sadness because I feared that we're seeing the end of, of Conor McGregor. I'm done. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I've not been that into it, but obviously Conor McGregor is, is the reason uh, to, to pay some attention. And I find him entertaining, and I understand his role in this whole deal. And Hutton's our guy who's into this and educates me on things. But the guy has one win in four years. Now, I respect that he took time off to get ready for Mayweather, and I respect that he did the Mayweather thing. We got together. That's part of the reason why he has one that. win in That's four cool, years. That's cool, and I understand. I give him credit on that. But he's fought since November 12, 2016. He beat Eddie Alvarez. He's yep. fought three times since then and won once. There's not a lot of meat on the bone for him right now. And so I'm sick of him. I'm not sick of him. But to see the way he yapped after this when a guy beat him pretty good and was somewhat of a factor in him breaking yes. his leg tires me out and makes me feel, makes me like Poirier. Makes me like Poirier. So what he successfully did 
in my view, is turn my attention to somebody else. And that, to me, might be good for UFC, but it's bad for Conor McGregor. Now, three of the four fights have been against Poirier in back-to-back bouts, or Habib Nurmagomedov, who just retired at 29-0 and and is unanimously the best we've seen in the sport. He had a huge rivalry with Conor, and he choked Conor out. He tapped out. That's the last we've seen of Conor and Khabib, and that was coming off of the Mayweather timeout. He fought Khabib, lost. Uh, Khabib then fought again, retired at 29-0, and and that's, we think, the last we've seen of Khabib. Did Nirma- he shut Nirma- up Nirma- after he lost that fight, or was he oh, they kept talking going. his they, ass off while they left the ring that night? That was the night that Khabib and his, his crew stormed the ring uh, after Habib won the fight. Like that, that was on Nurmagomedov. Then, then you had Connor's crew jump in as well and, and go after it. There was a brawl after McGregor tapped. So I don't like this element. I understand it's a completely different deal and what the appeal is and everything. Well, but I still like some degree of the loser accepting defeat. Here's what, well, that's, that, that's not going to be McGregor. Um, but it was after the, first, the, the second Poirier fight, the first fight this year. This, is, this goes back to why I chose to, to go with Dustin Poirier in the trilogy for the parlay. And it's because the, the Narvaga-Madoff-McGregor rivalry, that is real. They truly hate each other. The two groups hate each other. I don't get the sense McGregor truly hates Dustin Poirier. And that's because he was extremely nice to him, donated to his charity. The initial conversation uh, prior to... The, the, the January bout, the end of the year bout, December or January is when they fought. The initial conversation was have an exhibi- exhibition boxing match because Connor was training for a boxing match. That, that's what he was doing at the beginning of last year, and it fell through. So he ended up challenging Poirier for charity. And Poirier said, I'm in. Dana White saw this, made the UFC fight instead of the boxing match. And they were very cordial. During that fight week in Abu Dhabi, after the fight, when Dustin won, he held up the one and one says, we're going to run this back. McGregor said the same. And then McGregor cranked it up to 11 again, like he would against Nurmagomedov, but it wasn't real. It wasn't genuine. It was manufactured. And you could just tell that he was reaching for reasons to get angry with Poirier. And I don't think he ever was. And I, I think that's what he's having to search for more than anything now, is digging deep to find what led him on that 15-fight winning streak uh, during a five- or six-year span from, like, 2013, 2014 to 2020. Like, it, I just haven't seen that same guy. Now, he's a bigger moneymaker. He believes within five years he'll be a billionaire. He was asked that question at the, at the press conference this week in, in Vegas. But is he at the same level in the fight game? I, I think the leg injury actually helps him and helps the story and helps the self-motivation to get back to the level he was because that's really what, I mean, once you have all this money and you have all the the fame and notoriety, it can't, what's the the driving factor here? And I I think he's got to find that again. Meanwhile, Poirier is ascending. Yeah. And he's going to fight for the title next against Charles Oliveira. Well, and I'm struck by what Paul said about, you know, you want the loser to acknowledge the losing, at least a little bit of uh, humble pie, I guess, or saying, you know, well, this guy beat me. 
that I'm coming back or whatever. And you didn't get that from McGregor. The stretcher and the stretcher here. I mean, I there also, couldn't be more stark. Yes, yes. But I also, I would agree with you with pretty much anyone else. But part of the reason I love Conor McGregor is because I, it, would be, it would be uncomfortable and sad for me to watch Conor McGregor admit defeat and that he's worse than, than someone. Right, like I, that's why I love him, even if it's totally not within the realm of reality, because he got whooped on, on Saturday, right? Like he, they legitimately had his leg broken and he got whooped. So, but it's still, that's part of the appeal for me, yeah. is that he's laying on the ground with an air cast on and Joe Rogan is kneeled next to him talking and he's shouting things that sound like gibberish to me. I could hardly understand what he was saying half the time, but he is defiant, even with his leg broken in half. And ready to go back after it, like even if it doesn't register as reality with a lot of people watching the fight, I enjoyed that part of it mm. with him. It's a disconnect from the self-reality we with talk him. about for everything. So I understand you're setting him outside yeah. of the self-realization. It's almost self like a realization that we like. Acting uh, character. See, I don't to like me. that. I, yeah. That's not for me at all. But we talk but about. But I don't think it's an act. Being self-aware. I don't think no, it's an act either. But we talk about being self-aware all the time. And that, in the talking about the stretcher the whole time and then being carried out on a stretcher yourself with no touch of, of self-realization in that moment just makes me say, bleep you. Yeah, and, and that, it went over the line uh, in some of the trash talk with Poirier because I do think it was just fake. He's going to murder like, you and talking about your wife. And yeah, and Poirier didn't care about the wife comments. But because, he cares about I mean, the murder his, his wife was in the, uh, well... Poirier was like, "Look, you can you can say that I'm uh, the, the, my wife is my husband or whatever whatever he was getting at, uh, and that you know you, you don't do anything without her permission, which I think goes back to some of the the charity work that Poirier is doing. I, I, again, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. I think he was just grabbing at things. But the the idea, one thing the fighters don't do uh, for the unwritten trash talk is you don't say that I'm going to end this man's life." in the octagon because that is it's a reality it could happen yeah it could happen so that and that's part of the intrigue for me is just that mentality that these guys have when they step foot in there and it's one-on-one -on -one, and you know one guy's likely leaving uh without a coherence of where he is like that's just it's bizarre to me that you have that mentality but i respect the hell out of it um th that's the ufc in a nutshell and McGregor is the hottest thing they have. I mean, he, he, he sells pay-per-views. I think they, they had around 2 million buys is what uh, uh, Dana White's uh, post-presser was about. Um, uh, 2 million buys, record not, not, not a record gate at the arena, but a massive gate. More celebrities than ever before were asking for tickets last minute. Uh, the private airports just jam-packed. They own, they own Vegas when they're there with Conor McGregor. And then he brings... A country with them. Non-pandemic uh, pandemic year, they're doing this on UFC International Fight Week in July. That's normally where they would have his fight because it is a week-long celebration leading up to him going at it in the, in the octagon. I, I'm fascinated by all aspects of this now because now you have the comeback story where if he lost, I don't think he's out. Um, th there's too much to be made, and the guy will fight anyone at any time I think he would have been back probably against Nate Diaz and, and the trilogy bout. But the, this now makes his comeback much more interesting because he's going to cling to the fact that he broke his leg, that Poirier didn't beat him. They'll be rematched again, 
And we'll also see McGregor in other fights if Poirier's the champ and he's got something else lined up while McGregor needs to win one to then jump into a championship bout. I think uh, UFC, they don't need this because they just came off a very successful event, obviously. But uh, Paul kind of hinted at, you know, let's, let's find the next McGregor, right? Someone, and I, I'm thinking of someone with a certain level of bravado and overall star appeal. I don't know that Poirier is that guy necessarily, even though he's a great fighter. But um, I, I'm interested to see the next iteration of that because we know the well, sport's not going anywhere, right? There's going to no. be something else. There's going to be some other almost mythic background story like you have well, with the, McGregor. Well, McGregor is a folk hero. The guy for that's the sport. going to do that is Israel Adesanya, who's the champion already and is, is, is great on the mic, too. He can sell a fight. Uh, he's must see. And, and that's, they're going to start really getting behind him, and they, they already have. Uh, but the next big nugget that UFC has in their holding is John Jones. John Jones, who is the light heavyweight champion, has been suspended multiple times. He's had drug problems in the past. Uh, he's been arrested. There are things going on behind the scenes with him. He is gaining weight and he's moving up to heavyweight. Many consider John Jones to be the best ever at what he does, even though he has a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes within himself. He's going to move up to heavyweight and fight for the heavyweight championship at some point. And when that happens, that will be the biggest fight, especially if, against, if it's against Francis Ngannou, who is the new heavyweight champion in the UFC. It may not happen this year, but that's, that's coming down the pike as the next big super fight that everyone can't wait to see. But McGregor now, Paul, we've seen, we've seen guys uh, break their tibia. Um, Marcus Mariota. And we, it's a nine to, what, 11-month process to get back. So it's not an easy process to get back, much less get back and fight. So we're a year, year and a half away from that ever happening. Um, can we talk about Nigeria a little bit? When we yeah, we need back? to. I, I, we need to get into this. Nigeria and England. Yeah. Two countries. Well, we've gone, we've gone uh, uh, United States. We've gone Ireland with McGregor. Japan with Otani. Uh, Japan with Otani. And now, we're, again, well, we're trying to figure out where to drop a pin as to where you listen. We're being very international today. Now we have Nigeria and England to get into. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360, we'll get our Euros take in just a moment. But first, it is Chad versus Nigeria. Or, or is it? Well, it's... Or is uh, it Chad versus U.S.? It's, it's, two, it's twofold, Hutton. It's me versus Team USA Basketball because they failed in losing to Nigeria in this warm-up exhibition getting ready for the Olympics. First time Team USA, I believe, has ever lost to an African nation in, in men's basketball. So it's me against them. But it's also me against Gabe Vincent, uh, who plays for Team Nigeria. Okay? Okay. Um, he lit up. Team USA. So congratulations, good job. Six for eight from three, a big part in Nigeria beating the United States. Gabe Vincent plays for the Miami Heat, and his middle name apparently is Gabe Nande Vincent, I believe, and I'm looking up to make sure on that. Either way, yes, Gabe, Gabe Namdi Vincent. He goes by Gabe Namdi when he's playing for Nigeria. The one problem with this is Gabe Vincent is from Modesto, California. 
and spent his entire life in the United States and played at UC Santa Barbara and then was undrafted. And he's a nice story. He signed on with the Heat this year, and uh, he, was, he was knocking around in the minor leagues for a while. And now he's got an NBA career. Um, I'm not hating the game here, but what I don't like is I don't see the Olympics and playing for a country as like a fantasy draft. Like if you're an American born and raised in America, America is the great melting pot. Almost everyone comes from somewhere else also. It's what's made us superior in the Olympics and athletics for a long time because we've taken in many instances some of the best from around the world. Now Gabe Vincent has a father who is Nigerian and this is why he's able to, to play for Nigeria. His mother is from Connecticut. Let me tell you someone else with a similar background. It's his teammate with the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo, whose father is Nigerian, and his mother is from America. And he plays for Team USA. Why? Because he's American. Because he grew up in America. So he is going to represent the United States of America. Now, you could come back and say, well, he doesn't have a chance to represent the United States. So why knock a guy who has a chance to be an Olympian, even if it's for another country? Again, I don't see the Olympics as a, well, if you don't make the USA team, then just go play for another country. It's either or. It's one or the other. You are American or you're from another country and you represent that country. I think when you get into this game of you have a father or a mother of one descent and then you're raised in one country, but if, I don't, if I'm an athlete and I don't make the Olympic team in that country, this could go for any other country. This could be if you're in Finland and your mother is Swedish and married a Finnish man and you grow up in, Sweet, in Finland, but you can't make the Finnish hockey team or skiing team, so you just go and participate for Sweden. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Now, what I hate more is Team USA not beating Nigerian basketball, which is a total failure and should not happen with a star power on the American basketball team. I don't care how, how much they haven't played with each other. Don't care one bit. They need to find a way to hold on and beat Nigeria and not lose 90 to 87. But I also don't like that the guy who helped beat America is Gabe Vincent of the Miami Heat, who's from Modesto, California. Gabe Vincent should be an absolute non-factor to the United States of America, both by not being on the American team and by being on the Nigerian <laughs> team, period. And you're taking a very stringent definition of nationalities, which isn't the definition that the Olympics uses. My niece, Miriam, was born in Montreal, Canada because my brother was working in Montreal, Canada at the time. My brother, an American, his wife, an American, working in Canada at the time. And guess what? My niece is a dual citizen by virtue of being born in Canada. If she grew up and had an Olympic dream that she couldn't execute as an American and had a chance to play in Canada, well, it's not a thing where she's un-American to play for Canada. She gets a chance to go have an Olympic experience for Canada. God bless her. That's not being anti-American in some way, shape, but or that's, form. That's, that's using the rules of dual citizenship. And this guy, Gabe Vincent, who we shouldn't give a damn about again as a basketball player, somehow has dual citizenship that allows him to play for Nigeria. Take it up with the Olympic Committee. Well, I will take it up with the Olympic Committee. I have a problem with them also. We'll make it threefold. I have a problem with the Olympic Committee allowing that too. And this is totally different. If Gabe Vincent was born in Nigeria 
and moved six months into life to Modesto, California, I wouldn't have an issue with it. Because he's born Nigerian, his father's Nigerian, and then he happened to be raised but in the But if Nigeria's States, rule is Vincent, if your dad's Nigerian, you're Nigerian, that's Nigeria's choice. Well, the rule is we want to get the best athletes we can, so we'll find any connection that we have to get them over here and, and play. I mean, and look, Gabe Vincent wants to be in the Olympics. That's great. I want to be in the Olympics also. I have no option other than to be in the Olympics as the, for the United States. I can't suddenly decide that, you know, I've, uh, I've got Russian descent like Paul does, who, what, second generation Russian-American? Now, Paul, if you were born in Moscow yeah, and moved here a year into life and you wanted to go participate for Russia, I would not have as big of an issue with that. But I would have an issue if Paul Kuharski, who's got Russian in him also, decided I didn't make the American Olympic team and can't play for them, but Russia will have me, so I'll go play for them. No. If you were born in a country and raised in a country, you are of that nationality. I don't think that should be that, that hard to understand. It's just odd to me that someone who was born and raised in the United States, because they can't be on the American team, will go and play for Nigeria and help beat the American team. Are we doing this for, for the United States and other sports? I think we have. I mean, in soccer, we take guys who, um, you know, grew up in Germany, who were born in Germany. The we take the soccer scrubs that can't make their team. American serviceman, right? Who's got yeah, wouldn't make it in Germany. But uh, I'm thinking of Thomas Dooley. I, I don't. I'm looking him up, but I don't have it at my fingertips. Eligible to play in Germany and America, we got him to come to America. Well, so to me. And the Olympics are about representing your country. And whenever I'm watching the Olympics and I find out that guy is not from that country, what's the point? Like that, it's, it's like the, the wool pulled over your face a little bit with that. Like how do they fit this guy into their roster and make it work? And it, it, that's a very convenient rule for certain, for certain people to take advantage of. That's why I don't like it. Well, um, it's because otherwise... Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing if not for his father being from Nigeria, right? Because he right. was not born there. No, he's visited. I've read a story from MiamiHeat.com about it and said, uh, you know, he was asked in Nigeria when visiting where his father's from, you know, what's your name? And that's where he got Namdi as okay. the family name. So he goes by Namdi in Nigeria and he learned about the, the history of his name. And all that. I'm, I'm totally okay with all that. It's great to know your roots, but... I think it's a completely different thing. It's, it's like you said, what is the point if you can be born and raised, receive the education of a country, go to colleges in the country, play professional sports in that country, but every four years take the nationality of one of your parents when you never actually lived in that country and decide to go play for them. And people, we, I've got the YouTube chat fired up, which is great. And people are saying, well, America does the same thing with soccer. We do. Thomas Stooley is definitely. I, look, I hate that. I don't think um, th that should be allowed, first off. It's Nigeria's taking advantage of a loophole, whatever. United States is doing it in soccer. I don't like either one. But you know who should be angry at the person playing for the U.S.? The country where the guy was born and raised. And he's deciding to do it. Now, then the comeback is, and UW has said this, he had 0% chance of making the American Olympic team. That's fine. Again, I don't like a system where 
then you get to decide, well, I'm not going to make the country I was born and raised in, so I'm going to go play for this other country. It's not his fault he's allowed. It's not his fault he's allowed. So I don't blame him for chasing the dream that they're allowing him to chase. If I had a chance to go play in the Olympics for somebody and I was good enough to do it, I can't say I'm not going to do it. That's pretty cool to go to Japan and play in the Olympics if I'm good enough and somebody's inviting. There's just a... There's a... There's a... You're turning it down if 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 you're invited well, to go no, play. No, I'm with. not turning it down, but I also uh, fully give the right for the me on sports talk, television, or radio to be upset with it. Sure. In the country, right? Well, you're, you're, I'm, I'm opening the door opinion. at that point. If I decide to go and, and play for Germany in something because I couldn't make the American team, then you would have. If I then beat the United States in that sport and I'm heralded as a national hero in Germany, well, then I'm okay with someone in America not, not liking that, right? It's not exactly, I have the same feeling about it though. Like uh, just hearing the, the description, I don't like when you know, you're know you a travel ball club and you have a replacement player that's not on your actual team because it fits within the rules and the parameters of whatever you're playing, but that's not that player ends up really helping you in a tournament. Very convenient that the replacement player helps you in a tournament. I, I feel that's the same way here where it's, it, it helps the team, the rules set up for them to... Get. Go get the best people they can get. Yes, but it's the same feeling of, is, well, this, is this in the spirit of what the games are about? Isn't it also a little bit hollow if you're touting Nigeria and an African nation's first ever win over the United States? There are seven NBA players on this Nigerian team, okay? And one of the guys who started this game, again, is from Modesto, California, who defeated the, the United States in an exhibition game. So I, I think, Hutton, you asked the question, what does it all mean anyways? What's the point when you have this? I look at that and think, I mean, is Gabe Vincent celebrating with the nation of Nigeria, having been there as a tourist? A few times when he's born and raised in the United States and living in the United States, it just it it lessens the accomplishment, and it is an accomplishment, and it's part of the reason Paul we're saying he shouldn't make a difference against Team USA, and that is Team USA's fault for that purpose. But to me, it rings a little bit more hollow. Well, I would also go here. It's an exhibition, so I, I'm not bothered really by this loss. The same way that some of these soccer games you, that you guys the get railed up. I mean, this is the biggest game in the world to Nigeria. It doesn't mean a damn thing to the U.S. in terms of getting ready for the Olympics outside of them. You know what I mean? If this is a, a, a pool play game in the Olympics, I'm upset about it. I, don't, I, I, don't, I think the motivations for this game, I think the setting for this game, all of that stuff, it's, it's really meaningless. Once upon a time, was it impossible that this would happen if you just rolled the ball out? Yes, the world's changed a lot since then, but uh, I, I'm not upset that the U.S. could lose an exhibition game to, to Nigeria. Well, part of it, though, is... Now, I'm a little upset that Kevin Durant could be blocked on a dunk by, by anybody that's not a high-level yeah. NBA talent. And let me, let me also say this, because a lot of people are focusing right now uh, on Twitter on this on me pointing out one guy for this and then bring up, what about everyone else who does it? What about the U.S.? Yeah, you're using people? this guy simply. What about, this is a guy, again, this is what we do on a show when things are timely. I'm taking one example of a guy who happened to be six for eight from three and helped in a comeback win for Nigeria beat the U.S. If there are other Nigerian players that people are pointing out that also are from the United States, I've got an issue with all of it. I'm taking this one example 
and telling you why I hate the system. Do I hate Gabe Vincent? No. Do I understand the appeal of competing in the Olympics? Absolutely, as someone who loves the Olympics. I'm also allowed to hate it from an American perspective. And if you're someone from another country and one of your countrymen, because they have a parent from another country, even though they've never lived there, competes and beats that country or your country in a sport, you also have a right to be upset. It's that simple. Our thoughts on the Euros were Italy tops England. That is next on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.